Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Business of Design podcast, episode 12, Tracking Your Hours. Gosh, it just sounds fun, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, some shows we talk about things that are exciting and new and interesting and really grab your attention. This is one of those shows where we're going to talk about something that's fundamental to you getting paid. And it doesn't matter if you're working on an hourly fee basis or a flat fee basis. You still must track your hours. Now, let me retract that. You don't have to track your hours and you don't have to make any money. That's your choice. But if you are in this business to turn a profit, to feel the surge of self-confidence that comes from being able to fund the lifestyle you desire, then you do want to develop the habit of tracking your hours. I've told this story so many times, but we had these wonderful clients years ago. And in fact, this reminds me, I need to reach out to them. It's been quite a while since I talked to them. Lovely couple. And back then, this is, gosh, it's got to be 12, 13 years already. Uh, We did not send out our log sheets, the record of the tracked hours we're going to be talking about today. We did not send those log sheets out to clients at the end of every month when we build them. It was my feeling back then that if I sent them out, they would just invite inquiry. And I didn't want to encourage people to have conversations about their monthly invoices. I wanted them just to pay their darn invoices. Anyway, this lovely couple comes along and it turned out in this scenario, he was a lawyer and it was a deal breaker for him uh, in terms of going forward and working with us, seeing our log sheets every month. And I decided, you know what, I wanted to get some feedback from someone on what the log sheets were like. So I agreed that I would send them every month. And what happened was staggering to me. Not only was I so glad I had sent those log sheets month after month to this particular client, but he took time out of his busy schedule to come to my office and train my staff on how to write more effective log sheets. So all in all, it was an amazing exercise. And I want to share with you what we learned from this wonderful client, uh, my lawyer, client, one of my many lawyer clients, uh, who gave of his time and taught us how to write better log sheets and why today I send those log sheets automatically every month to every single client. Big shout out to Business of Design member Brooke Hatfield. Brooke writes to us from Vancouver. Thank you so much for these podcasts. They're amazing. You've given a kickback to my step. Thank you so much for that. I am wondering if you might do a podcast on how to track all of your time. I know I do way too much for free, but I don't seem to have a good tracking system. For instance, how do I charge for emails? I feel like I spend quite a bit of time answering emails with clients and suppliers, etc., but not sure how to charge for it. Sometimes it's just an email, so I don't really track it, but it adds up. 
Would love your ideas on this. Warm regards. And again, thank you. Brooke, thank you so much for reaching out. You have no idea what it means to all of us here. Really, I appreciate it very much. Uh, I want to answer your question so it doesn't get lost within the entire podcast. But the fact of the matter is, as the business owner, it's really up to you to have the discipline it takes to track all of your time. And correspondence, and make no mistake, an email is correspondence between you and the customer, or you and the supplier, or the trade, or the contractor. It's correspondence that is critical to the project. I'm sure you're not talking about recipes for making soup. You're talking about things that are going to move the project forward. You're taking down scope of work sometimes from clients. You're developing your design plan so you can do a proper presentation. Sometimes you're discussing money. Sometimes you're discussing heights. Important critical things that are going to make the project work or conversely, not work at all. So that time is really valuable to the project. Now, it's very important to me, and I know it is to all of you as well, to practice this business with impeccable integrity. And that means we don't exaggerate the time that we spend on projects, but it also means we have respect for ourselves, and we track that time and we bill for that time. Clients don't object to paying our fees when they can see that they have been used judiciously, that we are careful about the time we spend, and that we are keeping our time limited to those tasks that are critical. So do track for all of that time. And if it only takes one second to answer an email, you know, you might let it go. But the truth of the matter is more often than not, somebody responds to an important question. We have to put that information in our case, we put it in the furnishing schedule or or we add it to the quote or to the client estimate. And all of those steps take time. And if I don't do that, it's likely there's going to be an issue on the project which I am liable for. So the fact of the matter is I have to, as the business owner, have discipline to track all of the time. It takes work. It takes effort. It's like a new exercise plan. If you're not used to it, it's a muscle that's weak, but it gets stronger over time. Brooke, thank you again for the great question. Uh, I love that you reached out. And of course, we're open to your ideas as well. If you're a listener and you want a specific topic on the podcast, let's do it. Or if you think you'd make a great guest, by all means, reach out to us. We want to hear how you're running your business and we want to be able to share your success with everyone else. Before we jump into the episode, I do want to say thank you to our newest sponsor, and I'm very, very grateful to this particular sponsor, Kravit Fabrics, Kravit Inc. I have been a loyal customer of Kravit Fabrics since 1991. And that's not because I'm a nice person. That's because they deliver unparalleled customer service. What do I mean by that? Of course, they sell me beautiful fabrics and beautiful wall coverings and now carpets and curated cravat as well, furniture. But what I love about them, in addition to the fantastic products they provide, which make me look good in front of my clients, is their customer service. When I have an issue, when I have a question, they're immediately responsive to my needs. They understand what it is that I do and they immediately satisfy me so I can in turn satisfy my clients. 
established in 1918. They are still a family-run business, which I love, and they remain industry leaders supporting the community. So thank you so much to Kravit for reaching out and sponsoring the podcast. And for those of you who aren't shopping at Kravit, I really encourage you to support them as they really do care about the trade and your trade business. And to be perfectly frank and even crass, you can make a lot of money when you sell fabrics to clients. So it's a win-win. Thank you, Kravit, Inc. The client I mentioned previously, who's a lawyer, his name is Seamus. I'm sure he won't mind giving away his first name. Anyway, Seamus came into my office and he spent time, a couple of hours with my whole staff and explained why he thought our log sheets left some room for improvement. The first thing Seamus told my staff is to imagine the client is sitting on your shoulder as you're writing the description of the task you've performed. They're going to be judging whether or not that task was critical and imperative to the project. And if it is, then of course they want to pay you for the time it took to do that work. But if it isn't, they're going to question why you bothered. So every single line in your tracking form, in your log sheet, really should have a thorough description that aptly describes the importance of the task. Immediately, we could see that our descriptions were weak once he said that. And I'll give you an example of one that made us laugh in this group meeting. I'll never forget it because uh, we had a drapery person at that time. Actually, he's still my drapery person, but at that time, his office was just a half a block away from our office. And Long, a senior designer with us, had gone to his office to talk about one of our client's window coverings. And her log sheet said, walk to Kamal's to talk about window coverings. That's what her log sheet entry said. And my client, Seamus, said that while I believe you that this was a critical step in the process, you can understand as the client why I think this looks like you went for a sunny little walk on my dime. And I could really see in that moment what he meant. If I put myself in the customer's shoes, I didn't want to feel that the designer was taking my money and using it frivolously, that they weren't respectfully treating the project with care. And this entry into the log sheet was the only glimpse I had into what they had done that day. So that wasn't a good impression. The optics weren't good. Instead, Seamus suggested, if Long had written, met with window covering supplier to review the following steps, he would have understood that that was critical to the project. In other words, met with drapery designer to review stringing of Romans or height of soft Roman shade or fabric placement on two large windows in dining room. Whatever the specifics are, you know what the specifics are because you didn't go down the street to talk to Kamal because you had nothing better to do. You went down the street to review a problem or to solve a problem or to move the project forward. You probably can hear I have just a little bit of a cold and someone just handed me a nice hot tea, uh, which is lovely. So thank you. Uh, The next thing looking closely at that entry led us to was a conversation about how the entry should start. 
every entry on your log sheet or tracking form, whatever you want to call it, every entry can begin with an action word. Met with drapery installer. Resolved issue regarding loading dock at condominium. Sourced fabric for family room dining chairs. Created furnishing schedule in advance of trade day. Organized trades to arrive on trade day. Every time we did that, we saw immediately the strength of that entry. Now, you recall I said back then when I first met um, Seamus, we were not sending our log sheets each and every month. I didn't want to. I thought it invited conversations I didn't want to have. When in fact, what I've now learned is sending those log sheets has eliminated the number of phone calls I get complaining about design hours. I should say virtually eliminated. From time to time, someone does say, hey, how did we get to $7,400 during the month of May when I didn't see you? In that case, I can say, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, go back to your log sheets, review every line on those log sheets. If you find any task that is inefficient or ineffective, I will remove it. Otherwise, it's very clear how we got to $7,400 during the month of May when you didn't see me because you didn't see me, but I was very busy working on your behalf. That conversation is so different than the conversation I used to have with clients in that scenario. Back in the day when a client would say to me, how the heck did we get to $7,400? First of all, I would have to rack my brain and try to remember, what do we do this month for Mr. Jones? I hardly remember. I'm so busy doing 59 other things right now. I've got to go way back in the brain machine and figure out what I was doing 30 days ago or what a junior designer in my office was doing 30 days ago or what a senior designer in my office was doing 30 days ago. That's nearly impossible to do. Not only that, I couldn't get myself to approach that conversation without sounding just a little bit resentful. I was busy. I knew that we were practicing impeccable integrity, meaning there's no way we bumped up those log sheets. In fact, the majority of design firms have never inflated the number of hours they spent on a project. They do quite the opposite. They underestimate how many hours they work. They don't log how many hours they work. They skip a couple of days or they make up their minds that a task that took a long, long time is going to annoy the client. So they don't actually write down the number of hours it took. And all of that is really playing Russian roulette with your bottom line. Today, I don't have to search my memory anymore when a client phones and says, hey, how did we get such a high number on our design fees this month when I thought everything was sort of done. Now what I can say is look at your log sheets. We can go through it together if you like. If you see a task that is ineffective or inefficient, I'll remove it. Otherwise, that's the work we did. And then sometimes clients will have a legitimate question. I don't understand what a tracking form is, they'll say. And I'll explain to them, every single item that we order on your behalf goes on a tracking form. That way we make 
make sure we don't forget that you're going to need a toilet by June 1st when the plumber arrives or that the faucet required for the kitchen is on back order and we need to keep checking that or we've ordered a sofa and we know it's coming from a manufacturer who is typically slow. So we've got a little reminder to check in with that manufacturer on a regular basis. Those conversations tend to be very productive and the client will typically say something like, oh my gosh, I had no idea what was involved. I'm so glad I'm not doing this and it's your problem and not mine. And then they'll pay their bill. So it turns out that the thing I was afraid of, that log sheets would invite conversations I didn't want to have, they actually eliminated most of the conversations I didn't want to have. And then on the few remaining conversations, they changed the tune and they changed the tone of them entirely. Suddenly, I became a professional who had some paperwork to fall back on when the question of hours and costs arose. Bye-bye are the days when a client used to call and complain and I would say, let me get you the log sheets. And it would take me a couple of days to do that because I was busy at different houses and I was off site because we had a project being built, et cetera, et cetera. It would take me a couple of days to get the client the log sheets. And when that happens, when it takes you two days to get clients information on something they've asked for, particularly something like log sheets, what are they thinking? Yeah, they're thinking that you're making those darn log sheets up because if you had them, you just send them. So it's important as well in terms of the optics of this whole scenario that you get those log sheets to your clients quickly if you don't automatically send them every month. And I strongly, strongly encourage you to send them every month. I personally can tell you I was shocked at how wonderful it worked out and how much it alleviated stress for me in terms of talking to clients every single month about their design fees. Let's say you commit right now to getting clients those log sheets every month. That's great. That's part of the equation when it comes to tracking your hours. But the other part has to do with us and us alone, and how often we shoot ourselves in the foot when we don't accurately write down our hours. Now, the excuse that you're too busy, you're on the road, you're running around doesn't get you very far, really, if you consider that writing those hours down means getting paid. Really, what could be more important at the end of the year when you're sitting in front of your accountant than having enough money to pay your bills, buy a car, upgrade computers at the office, and spend some money on a vacation because you deserve it? So really, that excuse falls pretty flat. We all have cell phones, we all have iPads, we have all kinds of apps that allow us to track hours. So do it however you need to do it. I would often send myself a text or an email if I'm out all day describing the task that I've done. And I've learned that if I wait to the end of the day, I'm going to miss a whole bunch of things. Now, One of the ways I know that I've missed a whole bunch of things in my office because I have a team is I can check my log sheets against someone else's. So I know if I was on site for a trade day, let's say, and so was someone else from my office, when I see their log sheets and I realize I didn't log mine, that reminds me that I'm not being as careful as I need to. A lot of you don't have that backup, so you do have to 
thoroughly track your time. And at a minimum, I would say, when you stop at lunch, and I know what you're thinking already, stop at lunch. I don't have time to stop for lunch. Of course you do. You stop for a coffee. You stop for a break. At that moment, train yourself to log the hours up until that time. And here's the other part of that, by the way. Log every second. You won't want to. You'll think it's a bother. You'll think it's not worthwhile, that you're just going to take hours off anyway. That's okay. If you decide to take hours off anyway, I'm going to let you do that because I have absolutely no control otherwise. But I'm going to suggest that at least do yourself the courtesy of logging the actual amount of time it takes. The fact is, some tasks go really quickly and some take forever. And I can give you a million examples. I'm working on a project this week where I've got to find four area carpets for the clients and I've got to find a console table for her husband's office and a couple of pieces for the daughter's bedroom and a couple of pieces for the living room. I don't have much left on my to-do list, but I've gone to the carpet store. It took me me 30 minutes to find the four carpets I want. To me, that sounds pretty good. I'd say that's a pretty big win on behalf of the client. But doggone it, that husband's console is driving me crazy. He has a very specific look he wants. It's a very specific size. I've sent emails to all my usual suspects trying to make my sourcing easy. Nobody has it. So now I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to have to go to a few shops and I'm going to have to figure this out. And the fact is, it's going to take three, four hours to find this one console table when it's probably going to take the same amount of time to find all the other things on the list. And when I send those log sheets, it's true, the client may say four hours for a console table, in which case I'll explain why it took four hours. No big deal. The fact of the matter is I can then point to the other nine things that took you know, three and a half hours, and she'll understand that when you amortize it, it seems reasonable. I know some of you are sitting there saying to yourself, ah, I can't stand it. I hate logging hours. It's a pain. It takes too long. Uh, I'm running around all day. I'm not sitting at a desk. If I was sitting at a desk, well, then of course I'd be able to log my hours. But really, the bottom line is, if we don't track and log our hours, a couple of things are going on. One, we never know how long it takes to actually complete a project. So those of you who are thinking, I hate logging hours, therefore I will do flat fees, are really shortchanging yourself. And you're going to find yourself trapped in a vicious circle of never, ever making enough money. Many people are jumping on the flat fee bandwagon, and I love flat fees. But I have years of experience and detailed records of past projects that allow me to price my projects effectively. Most of us don't. Most of us have no idea how long it actually takes to do a project. And our optimism, our people-pleasing, Those things get in the way of accurately creating estimates as well. So developing the discipline to log every minute of every task spent on a project, whether or not you think you're going to bill for it, is the first step. 
Of course, the second one is, I want you to bill for every minute. Many of you are not there yet, and I understand because it took me a long time to get there. But the first part of the equation is actually tracking the time. And then if you do want to switch to that flat fee model, no problem. You're going to have really good information to work with. Oh, that tea is so soothing. It feels so good. Many of you have purchased the Business of Design books, and we thank you so much for that. We can't do programming like this without the funds we get from selling membership and selling the books. So we appreciate it. And Volume 1, Have the Professional Life You've Always Wanted, has more specifics about tracking your hours and logging your hours. In Volume 1 on page 167 of the second edition, by the way, There's a description of how we actually bill for time, and that is in increments of 15 minutes. There's also a description of the various codes we use to describe the different types of tasks we perform. So for example, MC, meetings and correspondence. We limit this category for those meetings that take place in the client's presence. In other words, if we're on site with a client, meeting face-to-face with a client, we use the code MC. But if we're on site discussing something with a contractor and the client is also there, we may also use the code MC. I like to separate the codes because I've learned that clients never ever complain about the code MC. They remember very well that we met. They saw that we weren't messing around. They knew that that meeting was important and we accomplished various things. So as many things as I can put under MC, I will. The C, by the way, in MC stands for correspondence. So that means when I'm having direct correspondence with a client's whether that's a phone call or email, we'll also use MC. And again, we have a paper trail going back to that conversation. So that category is pretty safeguarded when it comes to clients questioning hours as they add up in that category. The next code we use is PD, planning and design. Planning and design is a big bucket. A lot of things fall under this heading. This is a project review, all the drawing time, internal team meetings, creative concept work, and execution of so many tasks. When we are heavily into step four on a project, our log sheets contain a lot of PD. And because there's so much happening from steps three to five, we rarely get pushback from clients on the hours it takes to get to the presentation. I've learned over the years to not worry about billing top heavily, putting a lot of the fees up front, because that's where the creative process happens too. And that's work that clients really understand the value of. The next code we use is S for sourcing. I separate out all the time it takes us to go out into the world and find the beautiful things the client needs us to find on their behalf. When you're writing detailed, thorough descriptions of what you're looking for, the client doesn't have any need to question them. So for example, instead of saying, surfed online for light fixtures, our log sheets would say, sourced lighting fixtures for the family room, parlor, foyer, and hall. Very specific, so the client would know exactly what we were doing. 
Another code we have is I for installation. We added that because we wanted a way of tracking how much time it took us in project management as separate from PD when we're kind of behind the scenes performing tasks. So installation refers to those times when we're on site checking on our crew as they're working. It can be our contractor and our A team of trades or it can be the client's contractor and the client's trades that we're checking on. In either case, that's project management time. And that's a really important category for those of you who are thinking of switching to the flat fee system for billing. If you haven't taken the flat fee courses yet or read book number three, I strongly urge you to do that before you jump over to flat fees. And if you're new, I strongly recommend you stay with an hourly fee contract for at least a few years to give yourself time to understand what's actually involved in a project. About five years ago, we added another code. Maybe it's even a little bit longer now, but TD, it stands for trade day because trade day, again, is a very big chunk of time. And we wanted to make sure that the clients understood it was critical to the project and they could look back at what went on in their house at trade day. I have two coming up in the next week or so. I have one on Thursday and I have a huge one on Monday. And the one that's happening Monday, I think the last count was 18 trades will be in the client's house. So when I bill that client for eight hours of my time, eight hours of a senior and eight hours of a junior, that's 24 hours of time in one day. The client will be able to look back and say, wow, I saw 21 people in the house, 18 trades and those three designers. And I didn't see a moment's break, a moment of wasted time. Yes, it's expensive, but imagine if I had done this project on my own and I had to coordinate 21 people coming to my house to give me a quote on whatever it is. So we found that separating that list of tasks under trade day, again, again, made it easier for clients to understand why we charge what we charge. And it eliminated phone calls from clients saying, how on earth did you bill so many hours during that particular week? We have two other codes that we use frequently. One is A for administration, and that's any task that does not have to be performed by designer. So that can be arranging for movers. It can be um, following up on lead times with a company. Uh, We created this task code originally for our finance administrator who did all the billing. So when she's figuring out what a client owes and putting together statements, all of that time is billed to the client. She's not doing that because she has nothing better to do. She's doing that in order to move the project forward. If the client had done the renovation without us, the client would have to keep track of all the bills from all the suppliers and all the retailers and all the manufacturers make sure everyone gets paid, issue checks, and keep track of all that paperwork. So that's really important time that deserves to be paid. Now, I don't think it should be billed out at my rate. That seems unreasonable. 
but it does seem reasonable that it would be billed out at a lower rate. And again, I know I've said this before, the rule of thumb I've learned from different business leaders, if you are outsourcing tasks, is to charge a three-time markup on that employee or contract staff person. So in other words, if your bookkeeper is billing you $30 an hour for bookkeeping, in order to run a profitable business, you want to be able to bill that to the client at $90 an hour. I meet so many designers who say that they don't bill their clients any of that time, and yet it's crucial to the project. You can't do the project without paying the suppliers. That's a fact. So why would you eat all that time? And again, if you're not in the habit of logging those hours, because most aren't, you'll be shocked when you find out how much that adds to your bottom line. By all means, take time to train the people who work in your bookkeeping department or the person that you hire who comes in twice a month to keep track of how much time they spent on behalf of a client and then bill that time to the client. I was coaching someone recently and she was kind of freaking out because she needed more help in bookkeeping. And it turned out she was afraid to hire the bookkeeper because it would be expensive. And I actually sat down and did the math with her. And I showed her what would happen if she was actually getting the bookkeeper to log the hours on behalf of the clients. And she was marking it up three times and billing the clients. Not only is the bookkeeper paid for, but she makes a profit on that bookkeeper. That's sobering isn't it? Don't be afraid to outsource. However, you must have good systems in place or your outsourcing will not be as successful. In other words, if the bookkeeper doesn't know exactly what's required of her, she's not going to be able to do a great job. So you do have to have your systems written down. You do need an operations manual. You do want the idiot's guide to doing the tasks you perform. And as we tackle this podcast week after week, we're going to be reviewing some of those operating systems and backend systems that many of you are asking us for. Now at the end of every month, as we are putting together a document which explains uh, what our hourly fees have amounted to for that month, we're able to provide clients with the log sheets broken down into various codes so they can see firsthand exactly what was accomplished during that month. And they can look at those tasks and realize very quickly that they were essential, that they were critical, and the project required those things to be done before it was able to move forward. If your log sheets are going to be effective for you, you do want to be precise. You do want to develop the discipline it takes to write a descriptive entry and imagine that client is sitting on your shoulder reading that entry and judging whether or not it's valid. If you want to be successful at this, I hate to tell you, but you're going to have to log your hours daily. You're not going to be able to wait to the end of the week. I was coaching someone recently and she said she hadn't logged her hours in several days, but that was okay, she said, because she would go back to it tonight and catch up. No, it isn't okay. I guarantee you she is going to miss some tasks she performed and it's a lack of discipline. And if you miss a few days this week, maybe next week you miss four days and maybe the week after you miss five, uh, you begin to see a pattern 
and your business is not going to thrive and you're not going to make the kind of income you dream of making. So often I hear speakers talk about um, reaching luxury clients and I'm telling you right now, you don't need luxury clients, most of you. What you need to do is track your hours and then bill for those hours. You can make plenty of money doing exactly what you're doing better right? Doing exactly what you're doing, but doing it a little bit better. I once had a designer who had this little trick of hers, and I thought it was really, really good, and sometimes I use it. Before she left, at the end of the day, she would write a to-do list for herself for the next day, and she would put that straight into her tracking form. So when she got to the office the next day, she'd open up her tracking form, and she'd have her to-do list written inside the tracking form, and she would tackle those tasks one at a time and just update her tracking form. And she was one of our highest bill designers of all time because of that. I'm convinced because of that. She didn't skip over things that seemed really small. On any given day, I might touch on six or seven different clients, but think three of the things I did were so tiny, I'm just not going to bother billing them. When instead, if I would just bill a 15-minute increment for each of those three clients that I did something critical for, my hourly fees are going to be higher and my wage at the end of the year is going to be higher. And again, I always always emphasize you want to behave with impeccable integrity. If it literally took two seconds, I'm going to write it down, but I'm not going to add 15 minutes. But I trained myself to write it down so I at least acknowledge that I did that work. And then at the end of the week, if there's five of those entries that took two seconds, I will bill 15 minutes for that time. I've also learned to record time that is non-billable. If we're doing a charity show house, for example, we track all of our time on behalf of that charity show house. And the reason I do that, first of all, the first time I did it, I was stunned beyond words at how many hours it took for us to do one room in a show house and how much money that translated to in me paying staff time. And then later I was able to look at all the things I purchased to make that show house fabulous. And we were able to do a cost analysis of our participation in the show house. It was well over $100,000 one year. And I would have thought previously, not having tracked all of that time, that it cost me a few thousand dollars to participate, but it was well over $100,000. So that really made me get serious about whether or not I was going to participate in things like a show house. And in fact, we do participate. But now we've learned that we don't just go there and see what happens. We go there with an intention to get new clients. And so we plan things into our show house experience that allow us to get new clients. And if I get two or three new clients from that show house experience, it's highly, highly successful for us. If I get no clients from that showroom experience, it's not successful at all. And again, I can't judge that if I'm not trapped tracking my time, and really looking closely at how long it takes to actually get anything done. The last part of this equation I'll look at has to do with deficiencies, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we'll do a whole separate podcast on deficiencies, but I do track every minute it takes to correct deficiencies. And 
whether or not it's my fault or somebody else's fault, I track that time. Now, if it's my fault, if I've made an error, if I wrote a number down wrong and so the wrong product arrived, that is not the client's fault. That is not the supplier's fault. That's me. That's my human error. Then I will log that time, but I will write NC, no charge beside that time. On the other hand, if an error occurs because a supplier has made a mistake and I have to correct that deficiency, I will log those hours and I will bill the client for that time. And some of you are just picking your jaw up off the floor right now because you're thinking to yourself, it's not fair. The client didn't make the mistake. But I would say to you, it's not fair for you to eat all those things because you didn't make the mistake either. And that'll old excuse of, well, you picked the company that you bought the sofa from, so therefore it's your fault something went wrong, is ridiculous. We do not have control over the chain of manufacturing that occurs for each and every product. We do our best to make sure we're ordering from reputable sources that have quality customer service, and that we'll have our back in the event something goes wrong. But we recognize that many of those suppliers also do not have total control over the chain of manufacturing. So they then have to go back to the manufacturer and fight on our behalf. It's important then for me to work with companies like Kravit, our new sponsor, who will have my back in the event something goes wrong. We'll work together. We'll come up with a solution. And over and over again, I've learned that I do my clients no service by finding the cheapest alternative for something they want. Because when something goes wrong, and it does all the time, I don't have anybody to go back to. So work with those vendors who treat the design community fairly, who help you run a profitable business and treat you and your clientele with respect. I'm looking forward to hearing from some of you. You're going to reach out and tell me that you're starting to log your hours more effectively, and I'm so happy. Others will reach out and say they love flat fees because they don't have to log hours, and that's a totally separate uh, lecture. Uh, But certainly, I guarantee you will be more profitable if you log more hours. I guarantee if you find courage to bill for all of the time you work, your profits will soar. And you'll be shocked, by the way, at how much money you left on the table. At least that was my experience. So big shout out and thank you to Seamus who really turned my business around. We can learn a lot from clients, by the way. We can go to our clients when there's a problem and we can say, I feel that I've disappointed you in this area and I would love your suggestions on how I can make an improvement. And some Sometimes something wonderful will happen, like what happened for us with Seamus, who took his time to come into my office and train staff on how to produce more effective log sheets. Don't be afraid of letting clients look at how much work you do on their behalf. Just make sure you're honoring your profession, you're honoring yourself by capturing all of those tasks, great and small, in one place on some sort of log sheet or tracking form so you can bill the clients and get paid. 
We like getting paid, right, everybody? You deserve to get paid. And I hope this is going to be a profitable, wonderful month for you and your clients. I look forward to talking to you next time. And thank you so much for participating in our podcast today. 